0: And welcome to Ending Physician Overwhelm. I'm your host, Dr. Megan Mello. I'm a family and obesity medicine physician, as well as a certified life coach for physicians. In this podcast, we talk about how the learned habits of people-pleasing, perfectionism, and a lack of boundaries show up in our lives, and how they contribute to burnout, exhaustion, and overwhelm. The healthcare system is broken, my friends, but let's not wait for it to be fixed in order to feel better. Hello, my friends, and welcome to today's episode. We're talking today about thoughts and specifically how thoughts arrive in our minds. If you've listened to the early episodes in particular and have followed the show for some time, you probably already know why this is so important. If you're new to the show, new to the ideas of coaching or thought work in general, let's just start by saying that our thoughts create our feelings. This very simple notion can be a challenge to unpack and believe. For many of us we have spent years, perhaps our whole lives, experiencing our emotions as inevitable consequences of our circumstances, the things that happen, the things that happen to us, the words people say to us, etc. But truly, in order for us to experience an emotion, we first have to have a thought conscious or unconscious about something that has happened, something someone said, a face they made, etc. And although many circumstances may give us similar thoughts, uh, similar to the thoughts of the people next to us, and thus we might have similar emotions, no circumstances produce exactly the same thought in all of us context, perspective, experience, culture, and many other factors overlay and influence the thoughts that we have in response to circumstances. I could spend a lot of time here with this concept, but today we're gonna be focusing elsewhere. However, before I move on, the reason why this is so important and why we need to start with this fundamental idea that our thoughts create our feelings is because of what happens when we have a feeling. When we experience an emotion, whether that emotion is one we would consider positive or negative, that emotion or those emotions determine our actions the things that we do and don't do, as well as the chatter and self-talk in our minds. If this seems strange to you, consider for a minute what happens to your plans for the day when you find yourself feeling angry, anxious, or afraid. And of course, what we do and don't do creates the results we have. This is true in our day-to-day as well as in the big picture of our lives. To get into medicine required you to frequently have thoughts that led to the emotions of motivated or determined, which allowed you to then go on and study long hours, prepare for tests, experience repeated sleep deprivation, etc. And those actions, help to create the result of you being in medicine now. So to summarize and bring this all together, our thoughts create our feelings, our feelings determine our actions, and those actions create our results. This is why so much of the coaching method I use focuses on understanding our thoughts and feelings. Uh, I did my coach training at the Life Coach School and we identify, you know, this, this pattern of the way our thoughts work as something called the thought model. So circumstances that occur, the thoughts that we have about the circumstances, which create our feelings, our feelings determine our actions and our actions determine our results. Um, You'll see that in particular uh, called the thought model with the life coach school training, but Many, many disciplines and philosophies for millennia have had very similar ways of sort of thinking about our thoughts and feelings. And we really focus a lot in coaching on the thoughts and feelings rather than, you know, simply on the action and results. Because when we are mindful of our thoughts and feelings, the actions and results will follow. So, these two components, thoughts and feelings, are really key in our lives because they create so much of what we actually get. Getting through medical training requires fortitude. Not only do we learn a tremendous amount of information, but we learn to apply it in real time to humans and human bodies while experiencing sleep and social deprivations that many professions do not require. And this brings me to my main point. Which is to consider an important shortcut that brains take when we borrow thoughts from others. This is universal for humans. We learn and adopt thoughts from other people, including our parents and elders, our teachers, our peers. When we have the same thoughts over and over again, these thoughts become beliefs. And this is an important shortcut, too. We can learn more when we do this, when we pick up on thoughts that are helpful or useful to us that you know have come from people that we trust. Think back to when you were a student and you listened carefully to the ways that residents or attendings talk to patients. You started to use their same language in your own discussions, or when you saw the way that they organized clinical information around or in clinic, and you adopted a similar pattern. They had thoughts about the utility of what they were doing, and you adopted the same thoughts and concepts into your own practice. This happens with kids too, learning from their parents or from their elders. Have you ever heard a child, your child maybe, repeating your words to a friend as though it was a fact? For better or for worse, this is how people learn. But my question for you today is, do you ever stop to consider whether your current set of thoughts, especially the thoughts borrowed from others, is working for you. If you find yourself frequently spending many hours on your clinical notes, worrying that if they uh, if you don't spend that much time, they won't be good enough, where did these thoughts about your notes come from? Did they come from attendings during your student or your resident rotations where you received criticism for your work? or from your billing and coding team. Perhaps you have been frequently praised for having highly detailed notes from other physicians. And you now believe that each note requires that degree of detail and precision. Here's those habits of perfectionism and people-pleasing creeping in. None of these thoughts are necessarily wrong or a problem, but let's think about where did they come from and More importantly, what are the feelings that these thoughts create in you? Anxiety, frustration, resentment? Once upon a time, there was a reason that you downloaded these thoughts, beliefs, or habits. As a student, as a resident, as a newbie, you were working hard to figure out how to do notes, how to see patients, how to diagnose and problem solve an agenda set. You had role models, some of whom were very efficient, some of whom were brilliant, some of whom were chaotic and disorganized, some of whom showed you how you didn't want to practice. But now here you are in a different time and space in your life. And again, I ask how much of what you struggle with now is because you are still thinking some of those same thoughts. Here's a list of thoughts that might fall into this category. I have to finish my notes and clean my inbox before I go home. Don't interrupt patients, let them talk. You need to include a differential diagnosis in each note and it needs to be really thorough. This is the way we do things here. Work comes first. You may have looked up to mentors who had no boundaries and come to think of the docs who left every day at five o'clock to pick up kids as being lazy or entitled. So many of these thoughts and judgments, so many of these thoughts and judgments and beliefs slip into our brains as we strive to fit in. And we rarely step back and reassess whether we want to continue to have those thoughts. And are we aware of what feelings those thoughts create for us? As Byron Katie would ask, who are you without that thought? If you didn't spend the day judging yourself and others, based on these borrowed beliefs, what would change for you? My guess is that at least some of these negative emotions, the frustration, overwhelmed self-judgment would ease off. And consequently, if you were less frustrated, less judgy, less pissed off, what would that create for your day? Give yourself a leg up on this work by sitting down with pen and paper or your computer, And think about the typical emotions that pop up for you during the workday, seemingly out of nowhere, perhaps. If you put these emotions on the left side of your page, then use the right side to start identifying thoughts, which are just sentences, that lead to these emotions. Yes, there could be several thoughts that go into each feeling, and just let them spill out of you. You can let this be messy and free flowing. The goal here is really to just let these thoughts come out and then sit back and take a look at the thoughts and the feelings that they produce for you. You can take this further and think about what feeling was created for you back in the day when you were in learning mode and what, what is created now with these same thoughts and compare how they've changed. You may once have believed that each patient note was really important and the main focus needed to be crafting an excellent note that demonstrated to everyone that you knew your patient and their disease process is exceptionally well. And this may have generated an emotion of pride or anxious, anxious excitement, excuse me, when you signed each note. And now years later, thousands of patients and thousands of notes under your belt, does it make sense to treat each note this way? When you have thoughts that the note needs to be perfect, no room for errors, and you know that it's one of 20 or 30 notes you will write that day, what emotions come up for you now? Can you see that our thoughts may not have changed tremendously, but the context has changed, our lives have changed, And the feelings created by these same thoughts can also be substantially different. We all learn this way as humans, picking up on thoughts and beliefs of those around us, those ahead of us, those in charge of us. Nothing's gone wrong here. But now we get to choose to re-examine those same thoughts and beliefs and to decide if we want to hang on to these thoughts or whether it's time to let them go. And what do we want to move towards? I'm picking a lot on notes here because it's such an area of consternation amongst us. But if we can accept that writing patient notes is a part of the work that we do, it is a requirement for nearly any physician job, right, that we write some kind of note to document what's going on. If we accept that that's true, how do we want to feel about notes? For me, I don't expect or particularly want to get excited about notes, but I could certainly aim for feeling neutral about them or, you know, accepting that they're just part of the job, right? No longer feeling resentful that how dare people demand that I write the note. And then if I want to aim for, you know, a feeling that somewhere on the spectrum of neutral or accepting, what would I need to think about? In order to feel that way, I could think that the notes tell my patient's story and integrate my medical assessment. I could think it's a concise summary of my time with the patient and gives us an action plan for next steps. I can think that getting the note done as I go improves the accuracy of my thoughts as this patient is on my mind right now and I can feel committed to wrapping up the note right now while this patient is in front of me or has just left the exam room or I've just left the hospital room before I go on and get muddled with a different patient story. Notice how all of these options are open to me and they can really help to create the experience that I want while still accepting the reality of notes as part of my medical work, right? I'm not trying to, um, decide that i shouldn't have to do notes right and that was a sticking point for me for a long time i shouldn't have to write all these notes these notes are too hard right when i when i have that thought when i think that the note writing is ridiculous and too hard right what does that create for me in my day even if i dictate even if i have a scribe right there is still work to be done of checking the accuracy of those documents, right? Making sure that they're correct because it's my my work on the line there. Okay, that's enough about that notes. <laughs> but we can branch this way of thinking out to other areas of our life as well. Parenting, adult family dynamics, the way that we care for ourselves, friendships, errands, paying bills, right? If we picked up a narrative about something that has created emotions that don't work for us, how do we want to change our thinking? If I walk around thinking all the time that I should exercise and I should exercise and I should exercise. Um, and I can think about all the places that I read about how important exercise is for this or that thing, right? What emotion am I, am I creating for myself? That thought isn't necessarily incorrect, right? It is good for human beings to exercise. But when I'm constantly having the thought about, I should, I should, I should, and I keep not actually doing the exercise, certainly the emotion that is created by that thought is not helping me to take the action of actually exercising. It's probably creating some kind of frustration or resentment or self-judgment, and that's not serving me. What this comes down to is that we have more control over our thoughts and feelings than we typically realize. And at some point, it's incredibly helpful for us to take back ownership of this. You are free to have whatever thoughts and beliefs serve you, and there is no thought police. We get to decide what we think and believe for ourselves, even if it's against the culture of our families, our workplaces, of medicine in general, Yes, it is true that we may have to sit down and do some of this work. Yes, we may have to decide that we're not going to go broadcasting our brand new baby thoughts and beliefs with people who are not open to us changing, right? Especially people who benefit from us having the same thoughts. And, um, you know, something that comes up with people pleasing, right, is that when people want to start saying no, they come up against a lot of discomfort, right? And the discomfort comes from the thought of having to disappoint other people, right? Those people are not necessarily open to us changing and starting to say no, right? It may not work well for me to broadcast to my children, for example, or to a friend that I'm going to continue to say no to them. Now, I might be making that decision for myself but I may need to nurture that thought and see how it goes before I broadcast that to others. Yes, it's also true that we may need professional help if we have deeply rooted and painful thought patterns that are connected with traumas or past dangers. But again, most importantly, when we choose to open our minds up to letting go of old ways that don't serve us, choosing how we want to think and feel in our day, you know, for the day to day, as well as the big picture for our future, we can achieve freedom and often a lot of clarity. And these are the things that so many of us are searching for choosing our thoughts, choosing to practice new thoughts and Decide how we want to think about problems, how we want to feel in order to take the actions that we want to take in order to get the results that we want is challenging at first. And yet getting into that pattern allows you to get out of victim mode, right? It allows you to get out of feeling stuck that your life is happening to you and that you have no say. We are not stuck. People do not own us. Our jobs do not own us. You are the one who can give yourself permission to change. So let's go ahead and start to change our minds. That's what I have for you today. I hope that this has been helpful. If I sound a little weird, I'm trying to balance out uh, my schedule a little bit. And so my kids are asleep uh, in the room next door and (laughs) I'm going to see How this volume goes. So, thank you for bearing with me. Um, If you are looking to have some help with this work, if it would be helpful to have a guide as you try and start to sit down and do this work for yourself, please reach out and schedule a discovery call with me. I would love to offer you some thoughts and ideas about how to get started with this so that you too can confident in doing this work and starting to make real changes in your own life. I hope that you have a wonderful week and until next time, see you later. Well, that's our show for today. Thank you as always for listening. To learn more about my coaching programs, head to www.healthierforgood.com. And if you love this podcast, Please drop us a review on iTunes or support the show by clicking the link in the show notes. Until next time, take care.